Hello there and welcome to Racehorse Movies, the show where two film fans take a racing sheet from last week, pick a random horse name for each other and from that name pitch a movie. In the pitch, to flesh out our movie ideas, we may include such things as stars, directors, composers, best boys and stable boys. Maybe not that last one. Hoping none of our ideas have to be put behind a screen and shot. The sky's the limit, the horses are on the starting line, the jockeys are frothing. It's time for Racehorse Movies. Hello there, welcome to this week's edition of Racehorse Movies. I was going to do a Richard Herring-style intro from his podcast. Do you ever listen to Richard Herring's podcast? I do, Rahel Lestapé, yes indeed. Yeah, Rahel Lestapé. He's like, hello, hello, my fine friends. <laughs> my finest of friends. <laughs> or, I was, or Buxton. Buxton's like, hey, podcats. Yeah, we need to get some kind of a greeting. Yeah, we do need to get a greeting. Anyway, welcome to this uh, week's episode of Racehorse Movies. My name is Graham Thomas, and I'm joined by my very good friend, Luke Searle. Hello there, thank you for having me. You are welcome. Um, well, thank you for being my co-host. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, I don't have I don't have a deep bench when it comes to booking talent, <laughs> so you're co-host. We don't need to publicly air that. No, no, we don't, that's true. Um, what have we got lined up today? We've got a uh, couple of pitches coming in from a couple of horse names that were revealed on the uh, podcast last week, so I'm very mm-hmm. excited about that. And we've also got uh, a couple of alternate pitches uh, from either of us for the horse names that we gave each other um, in the sealed envelope. And I think we've got a little uh, look-see about some things that we may have watched, played, listened to, done, and a little check-in with ourselves. Yeah, I think we do. So without further ado, well, there's a bit of ado further before we get into <laughs> the horses that we will race. How have you been? Have you been up to anything lately? Um, I have not been up to a busting lot, man. It's been quite relaxed. Good well, well, yeah, no, I know. It's, it's, I, I haven't got that Richard Herring energy. Um, no, I've been trying to get through a few films, actually, man. I, mm-hmm. I, the first uh, month of the year was a bit of a lost month, as they tend to be after all the excitement of Christmas and whatnot. So back in the game now and trying to get a few films watched. Granted, one of those films was from uh, 1976, uh, so it's been on the list a while. But, uh, what was it, Vanishing Point? No, it was uh, The Omen, actually, man. Oh, wow. Nice. I'd never seen it before. Really? It's nice to tick off those classics that everyone assumes you have seen, but secretly you haven't. And the the classics that are assumed classics, mm. and you're always like, well, everyone says it's a classic, so it's a classic, and that's the only reason it's a classic. And then mm. you watch it, and I was like, oh, no, this is kind of a bit of a classic. It's amazing. It's nice to realise that, you know, 30-odd years of film criticism and thousands of articles, and thousands, that, well, they were actually right. You probably should have just listened to them and watched it years ago. Yeah. Yeah, but mm. I, I always thought it was a punchline. Well, no, it's always been presented to me as a punchline, in fact, right. actually. Um, you know, it's, the, it's it's an evil kid, so do the Omen music and have some <sighs> yeah, chorus in the background. Kind Are of you going to do the others? I think it's five of them, I think. Four or five. Even. I am very tempted. Three's got Sam Neill in. Um, three's the famous one. In is that, that famous good or famous, famous bad? I think two's terrible, three's good. I'm sure people are going to get on the comments section and rinses for this. Three's the one that's got a very, very famous um, moment. I'm not going to spoil it for you. A very famous, shocking moment that happens in a in a hospital. And it's like it's up there in, cla- in like classic scenes in all film, in all cinema. Mm. So good. I think that's the third one. So if you do get to watch that, you're, you're in for a treat. I'm tempted because as much as I like how extremely good 
um, the omen was and how wonderfully manly Gregory Peck is. By the way, I could <laughs> die in his arms. As he, 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 there are many points in which he strokes his wife's hair, comforts her, and kisses her forehead, and I legitimately swooned in my seat. <laughs> He's such a classic, like yeah. man. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, as much as I enjoyed the first one, legitimately, I'd be mm-hmm. very interested. I don't mind if uh, the first of a uh, horror uh, in the horror movie canon or whatever horror movies it may be is a very serious film and then after that it just gets all silly and uh, 80s and all overblown and stuff i can still enjoy horror quite exactly like psycho so you're going to go on a bit of a run or are you switching off now and going to different movies um i won't uh, yeah no i've already um watched uh other films after that so i've already (laughs) cracked through uh megan and the woman king and Ooh, nice. uh, a man called Ove, so I'm all over the place as movies go. Uh, okay. Man, oh, not the the, re- the original, not the remake. Yes, yeah, I watched the original, um, and uh, it was it was really good. And I, at the same time, I was kind of like watching what I thought the American one would be be, be doing <laughs> all of the emotional turns nice. of the original. Because I kind uh, of like I a, a ghost car in Gran Turismo. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like overlapped. The film. Yeah, yeah. It's just crashing scenes. into the bins on the side yeah. and things <laughs> okay. like that. Um, and I could see it being quite um, uh, an obvious vehicle for Tom Hanks, but in a really yeah, bad yeah, way, yeah. kind of a thing. But I haven't seen that. I shan't criticise that. And the original is really worth a watch. It was very, very okay. touching, man. It was very sweetly presented um, with enough uh, darkness running through it to sell the lightness, I think. Nice. I'll check that out. I, on the opposite uh, end of the film spectrum from you, I have been busting through movies this year. Um, I discovered... Uh, I've been using an app, and we're not sponsored by this app, but it is really good, called Letterboxd. Do you use Letterboxd? Oh, I, I don't, but I've heard of it, man. Oh, yeah. So I've been using Letterboxd. Basically, it's an app whereby you can log the films that you've watched, you can rate them, and you can create watch lists and follow your mates. And it's just a, it's a nice way to diarise all the things that you've been watching. So I've been doing that, which has been good fun, and it's nice to be accountable so that I always tend to get halfway through the year and realise that I've spent most of the year just watching The Avengers or something. Yeah. So when you when you can see it written down or, you know, oh my God, I've seen this four times this year, it's time for something else. So, so far this year, I've watched 70 movies. Do you think that being on um, Letterboxd and being more accountable for it has mm. made you watch more as well, man? Do you think it encourages that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't do TV, which is a shame um, yet. I'm sure they'll do an update at some point. But yeah, it has made me a lot more... Um, hold myself accountable to the things that I am watching. And then... mm-hmm. Okay, I will have a look at that. That sounds absolutely up my alley. But... All right. Well, that's how I've been spending my time. Oh, I went to Bucharest as well for the weekend. I was going to say, lovely. how was your journey, man? It's a nice little weekend run in Bucharest, which is a really cool city. Lovely people, great food, great beer. Went to the State Opera, oh, and it's all, which is very cool. Tuxed lab- out? Tuxed out, yes. I saw La wow. It's an opera. And... Going to the state opera in those kind of countries, I quite like, even though I've only done it three times, because you really do feel like you're in Mission Impossible. Yeah. I, I spent half the time looking at the the boxes, <laughs> seeing if there's like a sniper. Just a, a rifle barrel. A rifle barrel, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, can I general. come with you next time wearing a very, like, highly cut dress, a yes. red dress? Yeah, that would yes, be fantastic, please. man. Just so I can put my legs on things while I'm aiming that sniper rifle in the boxes. I'm sure there's lots of heistable things within a state opera house. We just need to pick which one. Yeah, I think so. It'll be easy. If it's anything like in Bucharest, we got there got um, into the venue, had drinks, got to our seats, saw the whole thing, had drinks, the interview, uh, saw the second part, left. Not a single person checked our ticket or even asked for our ticket. We just walked in. They are asking for a Mission Impossible. They are asking for a Mission Impossible. Stunt to occur there, man. Or just 
Either that or Mission Impossible stunt really requires security to get past. There's no security. That's Mission Possible. Yeah. That's Mission Possible. Right. It's Mission Riot, I think. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Pile in, get what you want, chip off. <laughs> oh, mate, I'm so glad it was good, man. And that when was you really got cool. back uh, Monday, I assume. Yes, that's yeah. right. And straight into it. So, given that, I should warn you and listeners that my, particularly my pitch today, might not be as finessed as it might or should be. So there might be a bit of a wing and a prayer going on when I pitch it, but it's still good. It's complete. But I'm, it might be like your mum telling a joke where halfway through she goes, oh yeah, I forgot to say the teacher was also there, you know? Yeah. Okay. okay. Well, that's fine because I mine will be delivered in uh, exactly the same spirit, I think. Uh, so if I just cut all this out, no one will know. We'll just think that this is how we do it. Well, yeah, because we're going to, obviously, it will completely flow from us the second that we uh, we, yeah. we start. Exactly. Our disgusting public are none the wiser, right? Yeah, that's it, mate. That's the thing. It's all, it's all, none of this, none of it's real until we decide it's real, man. <laughs> it's like the power is insane. It's like we're creating the Matrix whilst we're plugged into the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got one in my back and one in my front, yeah, man. Exactly. <laughs> it's a Matrix treadmill. Okay, shall we, shall we get going? Yeah, yeah, why not? Do you want to pitch some movies? All right, let's pitch some movies based on racehorses. It's time. Okay, here we go. The racehorses we have chosen, or we chose for each other, was from the 220 Dundalk in Ireland on the 15th of February 2023. There were how many runners? 14 runners in this one. And I gave you Alpha Reader. You certainly did. And what did you give me? I would, I would love to know. It was made. I know it began with made. <laughs> Have you forgotten? <laughs> I slightly forgot. <laughs> Brilliant. I mean, it's been a long week, isn't it? Um, it's called Made to Shine. There we go, Made to Made, shine. spelt M-A-I-D. Yeah, there we go, Made to Shine. How did you find Alpha Reader before we get into it? Was it easy, difficult to piece together? Uh, it was almost too big to attach an idea to uh, when right. I first heard it. I wasn't sure, but then... It started to fall into place, and I started Good. to build an idea around it. So we will see how we go with that in the pitch, man. Yeah. How was how was Made to Shine? Made to Shine was tricky because it's a pun, mm. and it's tricky to get. It's tricky to do anything serious with a pun. You know. That's true. That's true. But there's nothing like a deadline, and a deadline whereby you're recording a podcast based on a film called Made to Shine in 45 minutes to get you to write a film pitch based on a race called Made to Shine to be recorded in 45 minutes. Absolutely. That is the ultimate firecracker up the Watsits, man. It is. So, um, while I pretend to listen to you and finish my pitch... (laughs) If I hit one key, get hit by a a digit in my pitch, man, I'm I'm walking out. I'll just mute my mic and then just dictate it through (laughs) series. Or that, what's that, um, that AI... Is that GT Chat or Chat GT? Uh, yeah, or Chat it is. GT or something it is. Yeah, is that Graham to... Thomas? Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> You've got. Is that? Is am I even talking to Graham right now? Well, a lot of people have in my life claimed that my intelligence was entirely artificial, so it could well, <laughs> it could well be me. <laughs> All right, then. Should we get into this? Yeah, go on then, man. Go All on. Right, then. Let's do this. All right. You can go first this week if you wish, or do you want me to go first? Uh, I'm going to go first so I can see whether you're typing or dictating while I'm talking. <laughs> Son of a bitch. All right, go on. Okay. Alpharida. 
We give the dead the gifts we can. There we go. So Harlem, New York, 1975. Are you with me, Graham? I'm with you. Can you see the steaming vents? (laughs) Are they like the drifters? (laughs) More like the four tops. They were very good. Yeah. Um, Right. Alpharida's only memory of her mother is the night she was killed. And the strangers and the strangers' voice that carried the words, we give the dead the gifts we can, to the ears of the terrified three-year-old Alpharida hidden inside her closet. So we meet her at age 22. She's been adopted by her now-dead mother's friend, Deke Merriwell. Was that bit the, like a pre-credit sequence, or is that information we don't know yet? Well, I, I was... I mean, look, we, we get to the crux of already. I okay. think that is going to be the cold open. Okay. Um, and, nice. it, you know, and we'll... Scene. And uh, there's going to be a flashback or two in it, but I'm not going to flashback to to the, the footage that you've already seen. That will not occur in this film because that is the thing I despise most. I don't mind a flashback okay. as long as it's not flashing back to something I've already seen in the movie. Yes. Okay, so gotcha. this will not be flashback to. I think we're cold opening on, like, a very sort of frenetic, horrible, traumatic, spied through the crack in a cupboard uh, Mm -hmm. kind of scene that befalls her poor mother in what is assumed to be a random break-in. We meet Alfreda properly at age 22. She's been adopted by her mother's uh, closest friend, Deke Merriwell. Uh, He's the owner of a local boxing gym and he loves her the only way he knows how to. Tough, fair, fiercely. Uh, The exact same way he loves the boys at the gym. Uh, (laughs) And also his son, Jackie, who works... uh, at the gym with him and loves Alpharida as well, like his own blood. Um, they have got a bright, bright, um, shining uh, beacon amongst the uh, current horrors of Harlem. Heroin is rife. Drugs are all over the streets. The city is is not in a good place, but they bring a lot of good to the place they're in. They wanted to protect their communities, give back to their communities, look after their communities where they saw that not occurring in any of the sort of power systems that they previously relied on. And so they're very, very good minded men who really do want to do good and help people, man. So that's where we are right now. Uh, we're in a pretty good place, surrounded by bad things, but there is so much positivity in the world that she'd been brought up in considering the world she came from and the horrible trauma she suffered. So Deke, despite being a very close friend of Alfreda's mother, he's not going to tell her anything about her mother. He refuses to talk about it. It's a deep source of pain for him, quite clearly. And the only thing he'll say is, she was good, Freddie, too damn good for this world. And then he clams up. He's not the kind of guy that you can get that kind of raw emotion out of, man. You know what he's like. Um, So... The problem is, in doing so much good for their community, they start to get in the way of the bad that's being done. They start to get in the way of the people who are trying to sell drugs. They start talking a little bit too loudly about the people that they think are corrupt and are behind the uh, spreading of these drugs. Um, And they start to get warned. The first of those warnings is a kid who is apparently overdosed all by himself in the uh, locker rooms of the gym. Okay, it's getting serious. It's pretty serious. It's pretty serious. It's pretty pretty dark so far. It's quite dark, but, you know, we'll be playing some lovely uh, music in the background to line things up a bit. No, and, and, and like, the the unit that they have is 
an incredibly beautiful thing. And there isn't darkness in her life. There's darkness around it and you can't help but see it everywhere. But she is from such a strong place that that can be consumed and dealt with in a normal fashion. It's not an oppressive place she lives in. It's a great place, man. She's doing good every single day. She's helping people. Um, And with the support of two incredibly loving people who've taken her under her wing, man. Um, So they start to get warnings beyond just a dead kid in the toilets. Um, They get a couple of cops who start sniffing around a couple of real scummy detectives. Um, Polly and uh, Peebles. Uh, he starts to, there we go. There we go. First laugh of the film. Yeah, there we go. Detective P and P. Peebles. Yeah. So they, they turn up, they start just insinuating that this is where the heroin's coming from and they're the cause of all the problems and all of this kind of stuff, man. Um, aside from that, after the death of the child, the local alderman, Alderman Simcoe, comes in for a bit of publicity. He wants to turn this death to his favour so he can get another term in office. And um, an older man is? An older is he man just an is, official, like a mayor? Yeah, he's like a civic official that's voted in that right. like, looks after the district kind of a thing. I will okay. do more research on older manning. Oh, I've uh, had the phrase, this I was just quite sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So elected officials. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sees this as a very good opportunity to press some flesh. He knows Deke from way back in the day because mm-hmm. they grew up together. Uh, and he goes along and he says, look, this is a tragic death. We want to stop, obviously, all of this, the horrific drug problems that are prevalent everywhere. His uh, $2,000 donation to the gym, I've made a few of these in the past, and he basically uses the gym as the one thing that's going right in his district that he can feed off of and use as good publicity to continue his uh, success in the role that he's in. But money's money. It's translated into good. So Deke is eternally grateful, thanks him. Uh, thanks him so much for turning the young man's death from something that was meaningless to something with meaning where he can pass on this money to the rest of the boys at the gym. And as the alderman shakes his hand uh, and accepts that great thanks, he says, you're quite all right. We give the dead the gifts we can. Mm. Ah. Exactly. And so this spirals Alfarida obviously completely out of whack man she hasn't got a clue what's going on she's straight back in the cupboard terrified she can't move no one notices there's lots of press around man but that (laughs) is something she can't ignore she can't ignore the fact that Deke and him go way back what does he know about her mother what does Deke know about her mother that he is not telling her and so she starts to dig she starts to push she finds out that Deke and him worked together and not in a good way back in the day um, that they were both involved in a lot of very bad things. And Simcoe, instead of moving away from the life, wanted to escalate and escalate till he got the money and power and status to be able to do all of the bad things while pretending that he's doing all of the good things at the same time. Gotcha. And Deke got out, and his last job that made him go out was when he had to go and help Simcoe get rid of Alfarida's mother. Right. And from then, he has had her underneath his wing and he has loved her so fiercely to try and make up for how incredibly awful he feels for the, what he did back then mm-hmm. and the man he was that he has tried every day since then to reform. And so they decide to... So Freddie, his son, uh, Freddie and his son Jackie and Deke decide that they really need to push back and they need to push back hard and they need to get rid of these two policemen who are sniffing around all the time and try and get some kind of evidence to put 
Oldham and Simcoe behind bars if they can, or if they can't, then they will have to fix it the old way and they'll have to take it away from the official means and they'll have right. to do it themselves. <laughs> and therein becomes a more action-packed... Uh, <laughs> right. Because when I first heard Alpharada, I thought, Lucy, you know, it's, it's a Luke Besson right. film. okay. Yeah, and yeah. then that mutated into something clearly quite dark. Uh, I was, I, this is what happens if you just video game for 75 hours <laughs> in a row, apparently, Graham. You slightly no lose your on. mind and start telling yourself horrible stories about heroin. Yeah. Um, or take heroin. Use. Or take, maybe I did. I think I might still be on heroin telling you this story. Boil the kettle without the lid on so you just see steaming. <laughs> <laughs> Stevie vents in, Stevie in vents the bedroom. everywhere, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so, yeah, okay. that is what uh, sets off the actions which then lead those three using that incredibly strong community as well because they got other people on their side man they decide mm-hmm. to dethrone simcoe and his awful nefarious dealings for good okay so the streets rise up well the neighbor the district the neighborhood they all rise up the, they a- rally the neighborhood around the gym okay. and those three people who have been such a wonderful well, those two people especially with deke and jackie who have been yeah. a shining light in the community and deke has to truly put his past uh, to, to, to sleep by finishing his dealings with Simcoe for good. Right. Nice. And what happens to Alpharida in the end? Have we got that far? She doesn't kill the alderman. She can't. She has the, she has the chance to. She, she absolutely does. Right. Um, and she cannot do that. And nor can Deke let her do that because he is her protector and he knows what he has done and how it has stayed his life. And so Deke takes it upon himself to end the Alderman. And he tells okay. her to get the hell out there and leave with Jackie. So they're uprising. Is it, is it a violent uprising, like a full-on riot? Or do they change things for the good in a, in a peaceful way, non-violent No, way? It's, it's mainly going to be, I think, they're going to outfox the two absolutely schlubby asshole detectives. Um, they're his only link. Alderman, you know, they are his... His, they are the crux of the uh, the corruption within the force. The alderman is currently exploiting. There's plenty of other corruption. All so they're the like place. they're like his bloodhounds as well. He'll send yeah. them out to absolutely okay. man. And they have been intimidating the community. They have been covering up any kind of the nefarious dealings that he has been doing. And they are faces around the community that are despised anyway. And it doesn't take much for that community to come up against those guys, uh, frame them as and where they can. I think it's going to be a frame job because they're going to get sent to prison. That is how I would like those two characters to end. So you'd want, there's kind of two ways to kind of, well, there's many ways you could end it, but in the... In the traditional vein from the 1930s onwards, when they'd make gangster films, the gangster generally, that has polluted the the district or the community that he's in with whatever nefarious dealings he's done, is punished by either being killed or whatever, but it's done in public. So yeah, it's like, like a uh, training day. Yes, training day is a great example. Little Caesar, when they shot in the street. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's a kind of a public execution, really. So morally, the, the film studios put everything back together. There's that. Or there's the public humiliation of the bad guy via, you know, in a running man press kind conference. of way, press conference, yeah. when the the real memo, when a few days beforehand, he said, I, I'm behind it all, gets played over the speakers. And it's a similar kind of thing. I, I absolutely was thinking about that as well. Like as uh, they bring him back to the gym because like they know that he loves that place for publicity so they can get him there pretty regularly, man. So mm-hmm. I was thinking that they could get him back for that. But then 
I don't want a press conference and like the big reveal, like the, the Shane Black kind of ending, man. Like, because that'd be, uh, I think that was in the, the Nice Guys or something like that. It's yeah. very similar. Like, play the video cassette. You got to press play. They're starting. Yeah, yeah. They're going live. That kind of a thing. I, but I think that he could organize um, a boxing match and bring the Alderman in um, again for publicity. But like, just <laughs> the Alderman goes because it looks good. It's like a black tie yeah, event kind yeah. of a thing. And that is where the confrontation happens between everyone and the alderman and they are and whilst they are doing this other parts of the community have framed the policeman and they are getting sent down at the same time so he hasn't got any backup to save him kind of a thing nice i'm loving it i'm loving it i love the setting i love the the corruption i love the police angle boxing's always good i like it I mean, green light. It's, yeah, it's it's, a, it's 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 not bad. I I I think it depends on like what director we get for it, where it goes, and how mm. big silly action it gets. Because I was thinking like we could play this as a rip roaring rampage of revenge kind of a thing, where mm-hmm. she discovers all of this and bang, she's had loads of boxing training. She knows how to look after herself. Yeah, yeah. She's got like some people who have been involved with uh, Black Panthers, the Vietnam War, or whatever. There, there's people she can draw from to wreak her revenge if she desires. So I was like, well, yeah. we could maybe go down that way. We could have a big old, uh, as I say, Luke Bessoni kind of, it's yes. just a stupid action film. we got a pounding 70s uh, soul flipping, mm-hmm. you know, this amazing soundtrack, all these beautiful artists, that kind of a thing, man. But I don't think I want to, as I started putting the ideas down, I was like, it gets a bit grittier. It starts to go a bit more uh, Widows, Steve McQueen kind of a... As you were talking, I was thinking Steve McQueen. Or... Um, Shaka King, who did Judas and the Black Messiah, which is a fantastic movie. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who was the uh, director of, um, I should know, it's not Ruben Fleischer, I don't think, man. The uh, Gangster Squad. No, he did no, no, so it isn't, yeah, because he was bloody Zombieland and whatnot. But who was the guy who did um, Atomic Blonde? Um, David Leach. There you are. He's David the one who Leach, did the, some of the terrible Terminator films, or one of them, I don't know. Matter. I think he did. may have done Bullet Train as well. I'm not sure. Anyway, he does like poop. I quite liked Atomic Blonde, though. I thought that was pretty good. It captured um, its time period and mm-hmm. some badassery really well. And mm-hmm. I thought it uh, let uh, Sholly's Throm shine. Not that oh, she needs much of an excuse to, but like, it was amazing no. to see the physicality and the work that was occurring in all of the choreography and stuff I was oh, really yes, impressed so by. But I do not want this film to have like sure. bags of heroin being thrown around and exploding <laughs> in big puffs as people <laughs> yeah. are getting kicks and things like that because that's yeah, where course. it's going to go if it gets into one of those hands. So as I was, I started off and I was like, which is why um, that was somewhat uh, uh, patchy, man, because I was mm. like, right, I want this big rip-roaring, silly sexy 70s like action romp kind of a thing and then i was like you can't it didn't it started to not it feel seems right it's quite the, gritty yeah it, you know. yeah i want to pitch it more toward like the drop or something like yes. that yeah, where yeah, you're yeah, just looking sure. at people trying to live in a community and yeah. get on and not i watched the drop the other day that is film is so rewatchable i must have seen i must have seen it like 10 times over the years it's so rewatchable and it's quite short if i were producing i would you got any cast ideas i would put Stephen queen to direct Okay. I, I, dude, as I said, that was, that was the name that came through. Uh, I would also... How old is the Alderman? Well, I was thinking that uh, the Alderman would be around uh, Jeffrey Wright's age. But we need a foil for him who is as sweet as Jeffrey Wright can be deadly in Deke. And I wasn't quite sure where to go with that yet. Other than... Um, 
which would kind of work for like you see you're gonna say Forrest Whitaker, aren't you? I am gonna say Forrest yes. Whitaker. <laughs> 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 I am. Never yes, have I so quickly identified an actor from. <laughs> <laughs> it's those puppy dog eyes. Yeah, uh, he does. Yep. He does scary and authoritative very well. Oh, he, well, when when him and the old man are like heading heading like mm. uh, at some point, um, I, I think when uh, Alfreda goes to clean up the uh, locker room, she'll she'll go back in the dead and like she can't sleep because she's literally just heard the words of her mother's killer out of this guy's mouth. So she's like, I've, I've got to go and make the place nice for the boys tomorrow so they don't have to come back to memories of their dead mate, you know. And she's in there and that's where she will overhear like this this very heated heated argument coming from Deke's uh, Deke's office. And that's where they're gonna be going at loggerheads and like Forrest Whitaker could log ahead the the devil yeah, uh, with yeah. Jeffrey Wright, man. I think that'd be fantastic. But he could also really sell the I didn't mean to do it. I've been racked with guilt for this and I just wanted to look after you because I didn't know what no well, I, I love did. You that, and that sincerity and that Yeah. And you've become my life. Like yeah. you've you've made my life what it is. Like I, mm. I, I'm entangled with you forever. I love you forever. Kind of a thing. He would absolutely say. Yeah, okay, so bang, well, nice. And well, enough about the men. Alpha Rita herself. Who you got? I was going to go Letitia Wright, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Um, or how old is the character Thorne. again? Well, it's like 22. I, I was like, I don't mm. it's, it's a little... That's quite young, isn't it? But Dominique Thorne could do it. I think she'd do a very good job. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh. Who you got? Liana Lynch. There we she, go. Right age. Right age. She... Have you seen The Woman King? It's yes, I, I say I watched that uh, this oh, week. Oh, you did? Fact. Yes, yes. I, I beg your pardon. I do that listen to most of the time. fantastic shout. That's she's fantastic a, she's shout. a really good actor, obviously, but she... She's, she's got, got metal future, as well. She's got metal. She's got future Charlize Theron style stunt woman person doing all her own nah. crazy shit. That's, that's a great show, man. Absolutely. And she is a live forever movie star, if that is such a thing. Yep. Yeah, yeah. She had a bag of charisma, man. Like uh, the, the well, watchability or whatever, man. Absolutely. I was thinking for the police, I was thinking maybe Miles Teller as Peebles. Okay. Um, mustachioed, a complete slob, a, a filthy, horrible man. But he can do slimy really well. He's a very good actor, but he can also do kind of douchey and slimy. Yep. I could see him in that role. That's a good yep, show. that's it. That's what I thought. I could just see him, mm-hmm. like, a bit like uh, Aaron Taylor-Johnson in um, Help Me Out with a movie that was really good by Tom Ford. Nocturnal Animals. Oh, yes. Aaron Taylor-Johnson, like, just shone the heck out of that. So they're late... 30s, mid-30s, the Peebles and the other dude. Yeah, yeah, like he's got them long enough that they're still... Yeah, yeah, uh, Peebles and Polly, man. And Polly, I was thinking maybe John David Washington, but he'd have to play like the quiet, okay, yeah. brutal, um, psychopathic part because I haven't yet found a lot of exuberance and energy in any of his performances, but he's got quite a lot of... Um, got presence. Impact. Yeah, hmm. absolutely. So... I think he could be used very well as a nutbag. Yeah. I haven't quite clicked with all of his roles yet. Actually, Spike Lee would be a very good shout for director as well. I was kind of dabbling with Spike Lee as well because he would nail the atmosphere um, mm. 100%. The period detail. Summer of Sam yep. is so good. The period oh, detail in Summer of Sam is spot. You can. I love movies where you can, you can feel the temperature, whether it be hot or cold. So, um, hate, Hateful Eight, you can feel how cold it is in that room. Or Wake and Fright, where a movie that we both love, that Australian horror movie. So hot. It's so hot in 
temperature-wise rather than sexy-wise. Yeah. Oh, it's also a little bit sexy. But you can just, the sweat and the smell, right when he goes into the bar, the first bar he goes into, it's just full of really sweaty dudes. And, and the night. stains in all the of the... Stains. Uh, every armpit. And, and you can yeah. just, the first thing, right, the first thing I think of when it, in that scene or scenes like that is like, God, I wonder what the toilet's like. Because you know, like, <laughs> like, the mise-en-scene is so powerful and the temperature and the... the well, yeah, that, that, that's how real the world they've created yes, is exactly. that you are thinking about the toilets, man. Yeah, yes. like, if I was a set I designer, do that, that anyway, is the best... But... Con- I was going to say, that's kind of, I'm just always on quite high toilet alert. Bluecom <laughs> 3 or whatever it is. <laughs> but yeah, the summer of Sam, Spike Lee does, he creates that. That summer in New York, summer of 76, whatever it is, where it was just, well, that was the summer in England, or whenever it was 77, I don't know, yeah. when it was so yeah. hot and disgusting. He'd be really good. Well, we would, uh, we would have uh, like an on-set sprayer who would have a mist bottle that would go <laughs> around and make sure everyone in the cast was appropriately misted, much like, like Dwayne The Rock Johnson used to be in the action movies kind of a thing, just yeah. slick with his own uh, I watched a, I watched a Dwayne The Rock Johnson action movie today. What did you watch? The Rundown. Stroke. Oh, Welcome to the Welcome Jungle. To the Jungle. Yeah. I love that film. It's quite good. I it's like genuinely good. like I haven't seen it for quite a while, but I flipping adored that movie. Not just because like <laughs> Arnie turns up and hands the baton within the first five minutes with yeah. his like have fun in the club, man. <laughs> yeah. It's it's great, man. It's good. Um there's a bit where he punches through a timber yes. stanchion <laughs> yes. holding up a watchtower. He just <laughs> dies, punches right through. And, if, and unless I'm mistaken, there's also a point where he's holding two pump-action shotguns in yes. his hands and he spins them around under his armpit, cocks mm. them with his massive armpit, spins them back around and uses <laughs> yes. them again, which is, is one of the best things I've ever seen done with two uh, pump-action shotguns in all my life. That is true. That happens and it is glorious. And a bonus Walken. And, oh, so good. Bonus Walkman. Um, anyway, so that was Alpha Reader and not Dwayne the Dog Carson. I really liked it. I think that's got loads of potential. It's got it some legs, really man. Not quite it that. Could, I, but... could see it, I could see it going the atomic blonde, like, trashy action route, but I can also definitely, the way we want it to go in the Spike Lee, Steve McQueen, Shaka King, kind of gritty and realistic. Just and a bit more meaningful, man. Meaningful. A bit more heart, yeah. And, and possibly talking about wider subjects. Like, this is... This is a small story, a fictional story in a world that existed. Yep. These are the problems that were faced. This is... And probably, you know, and probably still are faced. for a lot, yeah. lot of people, yeah. That's why I like your film. Okay, thank you, man. You're reader. All, uh, don't get me wrong, I'll sell it to anyone. Uh, so if they want to make an atomic blonde, <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, crack on. Crack on. <laughs> Defile my idea. <laughs> my little nubbins of idea. You just put your big old producer boot all over them and give me like a hundred grand, it's fine. So you just like do a filter and copy replace in the script and when it says stairs for punch <laughs> punch stares him in the eyes punches him in the eyes right in the eyes both of them stares into the distance punches the distance <laughs> easy so you just have two versions and you can just yeah. send them out to a version. okay well right, we'll do that and see how it goes mate Right, so yeah, I think that sort of draws a line under. We've done a bit of casting, which is grand. Mm. Uh, we, we've pitched pretty much the whole thing, man. So I That's think we good. can draw a line under young Alpha Reader. Right, well, thank you very much for that amazing pitch for Alpha Reader. I liked it a lot. I mean, nice bit of development going on. Thank you for your uh, input. I really no, appreciate welcome. that because that was uh, much needed, sir. Oh, you're welcome. And I'm hoping that your input is going to be coming my way shortly. Vigorous. Because, yeah, vigorous input, please, because... 
the pitch is I don't I've got the broad strokes I'd say but there's going to be some gaps filling because it's we quite just need to do a little bit heavy. flourishes okay, a little flourishes fine. here okay and nicely it's in a completely different tone to yours good so we're not starting with a heroin overdose uh, or a murder of a mother uh, <laughs> this is a bit different I'm not going to give you the genre I think the genre will kind of speak for itself as we as we move on Okay, so this is my racehorse movie's pitch for the horse and film called Made to Shine. Made, M-A-I-D. Made to Shine. Okay. Maiden Air is a family-run aviation design and manufacture outfit in, in Ohio, 1920s. Marion Maid is a fearless nine-year-old dreamer. And she's got this one big dream, to fly like her big sister, but to fly further and faster. And while the family are happy to fly at local air shows and at county air races, Marion Maid wants to create her own machines and cross oceans. And on one fateful night, she sneaks out of the house and to the barn, which is kind of basically the aeroplane hangar because it's a small family outfit. You know? Yeah, yeah, proper red, uh, big red barn. Yeah, exactly. Giant doors on. Yeah, 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 some, yeah, yeah. Sort of something tacked on the roof to keep it from leaking in the winter. Man. Exactly Absolutely. right, exactly yeah. right. And uh, she sneaks out to the uh, barn in the dead of night and she climbs up onto the roof and she's constructed this sort of um, aeroplane kind of go-kart strap-on thing because she wants to fly as her first invention, right? <laughs> so she jumps from the barn and, of course, she plummets to the ground and she busts up her legs, man. She's knackered. And so she's unable to walk properly without 1920-style leg braces, you know. So it's awkward, it's painful, and she still dreams of flying and she helps designing and being a mechanic where she can around the family business. You know, dad and sister and mum help training her up. She's just mucking in because that's the family dream, being aviators. And her legs are shattered and the reality of her career is in smoke, but her spirit is unbroken. And then at age 13, she designs leg braces uh, in order to help get her into her father's crop duster. And warmed by her spirit, father and a sister teach her to fly the crop duster mm. with the aid of these special braces. And in the air, Marion made is an absolute natural. She feels alive, she's at home, and she's even more daring than her sister, which really spooks the family, but they love it. She's, they can finally see that she's destined to be in the air. And then when she's 15, um, her family and herself witness the tragic death of the older sister who was involved in a horrific and spectacular mid-air crash while attempting an incredibly difficult manoeuvre. Is she like some big air show, something like that, that they've all gone to to support her? Yeah, it's not an amazingly big one. It's kind of like, if you think like regional NASCAR, in the 20s mm -hmm. they did lots of air races, especially around Ohio, apparently. Mm. Yeah, so they, yeah, so it's kind of like a derby, like a demolition derby, whatever, but air races. So she's in a county fair kind of thing. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and devastated, the family pack up the business, you know, everything's just gone. Like the heart of the family's been ripped out. And Marion gets odd jobs at garages in the local area. The family are a bit local celebrities in the little village and you know, a Main Street kind of thing. And she gets by and she helps out and she's just really good mechanic, so she's just trusted. And at night in her bedroom, she still still designs her aeroplanes. And then one day at the garage. A young man in a posh suit drops off his car for repair. He's a traveling the air race circuit, is looking for inspiration for new designs um, and new talent. He's kind of a bit of a scout. And sensing her chance, Marion works on his car all night. And in the morning, the man comes to collect it. He notices that it's a bit different. And Marion urges him just to take it for a test drive, which he does. And it's great, but it's not amazing. Marion offers to drive it herself and he, him in the passenger seat. 
and she absolutely rags that car around and <laughs> absolutely belts it. And he is just amazed. So he takes it to breakfast. And Marion uh, tells her of her history and dreams and shows him some of her amateur designs and a little sketch. But she's quite naive and young and she sees this guy in a suit, like a big chance, right? Yeah, and the way out of the big, into the big out. cities yeah, and out of the exactly. little town. Yep. Um, he's just blown away by, thanks for, for the car and leaves. And uh, Marion's got a bit kind of crestfallen. She thinks she's blown it. But the next day at the homestead, uh, the man arrives and talks to the parents, telling them of Marion's skills as an engineer and how she can help build, help him build really fast, beautiful planes t- to win things like the Pulitzer Air Race, which I believe is a real air race in the 20s. And the father is just angry and he's already, of course, seen his eldest daughter, beloved publicist, you know, you're not getting another plane, no chance. So he sends the man off in a rage and Marin's furious, but she keeps it inside because she sees the pain in the father's eyes. So she kind of stows it. But then that night, because obviously she's very creative at night, uh, she's lying in bed and she just makes a decision and she sneaks out to the barn and she gets the crop duster air ready and just fires her up. And the, obviously the, this is the emotional end of the act one, I guess. And yeah. the, the father rushes out to see her taxiing off in the crop duster and she just takes off and she flies, you know, silhouetted by the great big... Massive oh, moon. F- massive moon and she just yeah. flies off and she's run yeah. away. So she runs away to New York and she meets the company man and he gets to the gig at the design company. Off to a good start, second act. Um, but obviously on the first day, she's just re- reduced to that of a secretary on the first day, you know. He, the guy thanks her for her designs, just gives her the brush off. Yeah. So now she's in the big city and she's just kind of been treated like everyone else. She's, she's a young woman, so she's in the admin office. That's it, you know. Yeah, you're in the pit. You're in the pit. So she faces, you know, glass ceilings and she's ridiculed, especially for her legs and stuff like that, um, whereby in her hometown she was accepted and everything was, you know, fine and people respected her for her talent and her drive. Here she's just a faceless person who can barely type and she's, you know, how has she even got this job? And not being recognised for any one of the talents that she's fostered over the last, yeah. Exactly. So she's facing glass ceilings and um, she's ridiculed and... But she tries to get by in the big city and at work and she doesn't give up. So she still designs at night in her small bedsit and she's starting to work on what she thinks is her beautiful masterpiece. It's the most amazing aeroplane. It's her thing. And then at one night, she stays a little bit extra late and she decides to sneak around into the hangars and take a look at what's being built and the beautiful machines. And she recognises some of her design elements have been incorporated into some of the machines. So obviously she gets quite fucking angry about this. Um, but she's about to get like really angry um, when she hears laughter from another hangar, some like commotion going on. And then she goes to the next hangar along and she finds a group of mechanics all laughing around, having a joke. And they're in and amongst some super old but modified stunt planes, like these junkyard planes that have just been <laughs> disregarded. And the mechanics, she watches the mechanics open the hangar doors, steal the airplanes and just fly them like maniacs around the airfield, just blowing off steam. <laughs> and Marion goes back to her bedsit and her mind is buzzing with what she's just witnessed. And then the next day, at night, she's already in that hangar waiting for them. 
And by way of introduction, she wages them a case of whiskey that she definitely doesn't have or can't afford, <laughs> that she can outfly any of them in a She can trial. make a case of whiskey from can... the upper's uh, offices, yes. yeah, which exactly. she is secretary for, man. That's no yes. problem at all. She can get exactly. as much she's whiskey as she needs for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah she's got that. She, there's a nice little mini heist in the build-up to her giving that tribute to those guys to get involved. Man. Yeah, there you go. Nice. So that's a little bit of a mini heist to there. Um, so she gets this case of whiskey and then she bets them she can outfly them in any speed trial or in any slalom or stunt <laughs> or whatever. And they laugh at her. Um, but, you know, they're game. They're, they're nice guys. And they say, race on. So this is kind of the second act of action scene. And of course, she just smokes all of them. And she's just incredible in the air. And, just, and they just can't believe it. They are blown away and they instantly take her into their little cabal, their little group. And so nice little montage where every night she gets closer with them as they like tinker with the aeroplanes and modify them flying around drinking playing cards she's accepted they you know they're not making any jibes about her legs anything like that they're just respecting her her talent and how she's making these little stunt planes just go like the, like the clappers <laughs> all right so yeah life is good and um so as she's as that progresses also she sees her designs again start to be kind of implemented the in other airplanes and she kind of brushes it off a little bit as a kind of is she still supplying designs or is she given him a set she's, of designs she's given, and she he is just with, like yeah. milking those puppies for exactly. as long as she's like turned up with a portfolio yeah, yeah, yeah. wide-eyed out from country girl kind of thing yeah and um but it's only so those designs only last so long and it's not it's isn't long before the designers of the airplanes can't deny that their plans have come from somewhere because they can't improve on them. They can't do the next thing because they've run out of these new plans. And so their plans come from a source, which was, of course, the businessman who stole them, the the exec, the junior exec who, yeah, who's yeah, in the, the company. Slimy, who's, the slimy junior exec who's trying yeah. to get his way up, right? And he's tasked by the higher-ups because he's seen as some sort of genius who does these plans because he's passed them off as himself, right? Yeah. He's tasked to come up with something magnificent, you know, more fast, more beautiful, cheaper, efficient, blah, 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 just this most incredible, it could be mass-produced, it's going to be the fastest, amazing single-seat plane the world has ever seen. We're going to win all the trophies, kid. We're going to get all the kudos, all the advertising. So the office man, of course, kind of a bit sheepishly, but charming because he's a sales yeah, dude. He, yeah, he yeah. wines and dines Marion Maid and asks her to work on the project. And asks her, you know, have you got any ideas? And she says, yeah, do you know what? I've got the design. I have it. And he says, okay, well, how about, you know, you get a little desk and you get this. And then she says, no, I'll do it. I'll do it for full control. I get to pick the team. I get unlimited budget. I get the hang. I get everything. If you give me that, I will give you the aeroplane. And he says, well, well I've got no choice, really. So she assembles her, her merry men. Crack crew. The yeah. crack crew. And uh, they just get about to work. They set about building these aeroplanes, designing it. They can't believe their luck. They're no longer working. They still work on their little junk planes at night, but they're no longer working on the... That's their fun hobby. They're not working on the normal stuff, right? The plane's unique and test flights are going really well. And it's a really kind of a propulsive, energetic bit. It's really kind of coming together and everyone's... The higher-ups are getting more and more impressed. And then one day, um, Marion and her team are invited this invitational um, to demonstrate their planes in an aerial display because they want to show all the maneuverability and functionality of these amazing machines. 
And they've got all the, the future customers in to witness yes, this. Exactly. It's a great sort of prototype reveal kind yes, of a thing. This is going to yeah. be it. This is going to put us on the map. And obviously, the slimy businessman is cock a hoop and he's got the new suits now. And you can't, everything's going great for everyone. Yeah, yeah. So the team, Marion Maid and her merry men, you can see where this is going. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, they celebrate and they all get drunk. And then Marion passes out in a pile of parachutes in the hangar. And she says, hammered. And then she wakes up. In the morning, and she hears the businessman talking with some shady people as they're walking around the aeroplanes. She kind of peers over from the through the pile of parachutes. And they're just basically, he's talking to generals, and they're talking about how these planes are actually going to be modified as warplanes and sold to any willing buyer. Any willing buyer. So this company is actually just getting, as war's kind of heating up in the 30s and stuff, mm-hmm. this company is actually moving into the war profiteering game. They're going to they don't care. It's going to be super shady. Again, we'd have to do some historical planning and how that works out. But that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Anyway. Okay. And so Marion summons her men to tell them the truth. And they're horrified. And they believe her, obviously. They're horrified. She shows she steals a plan. And she shows them, look, there's, there's a wing with some gun ports on it. And yeah, yeah. And here's and the bomb that hatch that they, they're designing yeah. into the chass- chassis. Exactly. That's not the right, that's not the right terminology for an aeroplane. Thank you, airframe. I knew you would know that after all your modelling. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, obviously, they're horrified. And they you know something must be done. We could destroy the planes. We could just burn the plans, destroy the planes, and end it right there. But they can't because of the love of the work that they've done. And in a kind of the motif of the film, war can't destroy freedom and it can't destroy art and aviation, especially the planes, art is beautiful, it's freedom, it's the sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she calms down and says, don't worry. And of course she has a plan. And so they get so they get to work. So then you get this the montage of like the heist prep. So you see lots of things going on, but you don't quite know what it is kind of held back from us. You see Yeah, yeah, but you know that they are doing something. You see them carrying out certain actions. There is excitement in the air for whatever it is that they are planning. Yeah. Exactly. And they're still going about the plans have been delivered to them by up and high the modified versions of the gun stuff so they're still just going to build them and they have to because they've been like watched like hawks by all the superintendents yeah exactly so this is the biggest thing that company has done that Mm -hmm. all eyes are on them all eyes are on them so yeah there you have this montage of it all going wrong and then um the day of the demonstration the air show arrives and everyone's laid out outside it's a beautiful day in upstate new york and whatever and the idea is that the plane's going to take off, they're going to do some acrobatics, and then there's some barrage balloons floating in there, and they're going to shoot them down, go through Sol Alums to show like the manoeuvrability, the defence mechanisms, all this kind of stuff that make these aeroplanes so amazing. Okay, so they get up and they're flying around, and they're, they're flying and seeing, they're doing all this stuff, everything's going according perfectly to the general's plans. Yeah. Right, but but of course they've got their own secret plans. Yeah, and while while that's happening, we're cutting we're cutting back to the hangar, and there's like a cleaner or something is is going around, and she, and they're in the back, she or he are in the back, and they find um, like four pilots tied up, or five, or five, <laughs> or five pilots tied up, <laughs> and gagged and whatever, like stuck. Yeah, stuck yeah, in yeah, yeah, like literally back to back, like Indiana Jones and yeah, the exactly, last crusade kind exactly. of a thing, man. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So uh, the cleaner comes out and raises the alarm. And at that point, all the, the generals start panicking from the aeroplanes. They can see that they've kind of been rumbled, but it's part of the plan. And so they've got to get these these aeroplanes back. So they scramble some other aeroplanes to intercept. And this is where Marion's plan kicks in. So they break formation and then they just bolt for the horizon, right? And they've been practicing for this every night when they have been having fun yes, with the other planes exactly. that they have been using. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 
so that the other planes come up and then some get scrambled from nearby airfields because it's a really big complex. And so what happens now is that as they're flying these dogfights, there's a big aerial battle as they're, getting, they're trying to shoot down these five planes or six planes or however many there are. Because they, they might be, they, they could be the enemy, they could be anyone, they're stealing it. Like it's easy, mm. that's an easy sell for the people mm. in charge. Get those planes out of the air. Get this those is dangerous. out of the air. So they're, they're, everything's getting a bit hairy. So Marion activates like phase two of the plan, which is to get out of the dogfight and just head towards the city, thinking that we can... They you know, won't shoot us down over the city. They won't shoot us down over the city. They start to. But what we have here is a big action sequence where we get low to the ground of New York City. So loads of like these um, kind of Spitfire-type planes skimming around the... the the avenues and the skyscrapers. Hudson River and whatnot. The Hudson yeah, River is going yeah. really low, doing incredible maneuvers. Underneath bridges. Underneath bridges. And, yeah. And just being absolutely... Uh, uh, were were sky, uh, skyscrapers being assembled at that time? Can they yes, go past yeah, exactly. like some workmen sat on yeah, the yeah. iron girders at the time and things like that, blowing the sandwiches out of their hands <laughs> yes. or whatever? Exactly, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. All that stuff. And um, obviously at one point when it looks like Marion Maid is about to kind of meet her end or crash or something, she pulls off the exact same manoeuvre that her sister couldn't. Oh. And like, she manages to escape that way. That's kind of probably near the end of that action sequence where like, she breaks free. So all the no one gets shot down. They, they, they break away, but they're, they're flying. You think they've, they've got away with it. But what they do is they all split up. All the airplanes go separate ways. And then we have this kind of, montage at the end of the third act, I guess, where the airplanes, uh, the pilots bail out over fields and stuff. So the planes crash. So they're scuttled. They're just yeah. they're useless. And But they think that Marion Maid is going to scuttle her plane as well. But she doesn't. She just carries on, just leaves them, just goes. Whoosh. And then we get a kind of a montage of newspaper offices and places like that opening up where the pilots walk in and they've nicked not only have they nicked the plans for the airplane they've nicked <laughs> the business dealings they've nicked all the things that, that expose the the company, the company and it's absolute filth that yeah. it will sell to anyone no matter as long as it's the highest price yeah, yeah okay exactly okay exactly and so um yeah so that all happens that all gets taken down and then back at the farm the dad uh comes out he's like sitting on the i don't know rocking chair or something having some sarsaparilla or whatever <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know what they're drinking at higher and here's the here's the engine of the air, an airplane approaches and looks around and he sees a single airplane land at the farm and of course it's marion mage has come home with this beautiful airplane that she designed and everyone's so happy and that's kind of like not necessarily the end of the film but it's the end of the, the third act it's like the bad guys have been taken down she's home with the airplane but of course she can't steal an airplane so the last yeah. remaining bits are um, some investigators come from the company or the FBI or the government looking for her. And they come to the house and she's not there. And they're looking around, well, what about that goddamn aeroplane, huh? They're not from the press. That's, I don't know they were from the press. <laughs> I wonder what you say. <laughs> I want to copy, <laughs> yeah. you see. Well, listen up, see, Sonny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got a scoop, goddammit. There's a plane. Plane with two wings. <laughs> I never seen such a thing in all my days. <laughs> So they come and they talk, where, where is she? I, I don't know. We've, we haven't seen her. She, plane must, we heard the plane crash. We, it never came back. I, I don't know. She's, she's gone. And uh, so the, the guys, they look around. They can't find her. You know, they look at them. You know, she's gone. So they leave. But what they didn't notice when they were sitting around is the very shiny 
dining table, the best <laughs> yet, the, the seats that they're on. Like the plane has been repurposed into this kind of, you know, it's just been taken apart and it's put around the house yeah. in bits. Yeah. But they're inside a, a, a kit. And then we'd probably get the, the denouement later on, um, maybe cut to an older lady, like 50s or 60s. Mm-hmm. And she's just at an airfield and she's walking out with her leg braces and she just gets into a plane, a really little old plane, and just takes off to have a jolly little ride and flying. And of course she flies, not against the moon, but against the sun. So that is my pitch for Made Beautiful. to Shine. Can she also have a part of the plane in the plane she then goes on to fly? Like something, yes. something retained the seat or something like that. Something that becomes important yeah, yeah. in the building of the plane. Can we keep that and yeah, have that yeah, displayed exactly. like in the plane has at the end? a special lever that can do a manoeuvre yeah, or yeah. something like yeah, that. Or a special thing. A little yeah. thing that is entirely hers mm. that she had to keep because she needs some of that plane to still be flying like that mm. it's so important to her and that's why she keeps revisiting it and going to the air shows and stuff and forges probably yeah. i hope a career that will give her you know the the pleasure until she becomes that older lady that we see again flying yeah. into the sun man yes yeah, yeah that, that would be really nice okay that's All right that sounds mate how you brought that out from an unintentional bastardly horse with a pun in its name <laughs> Puns are difficult, man. Like, yeah, but you get, you've made it. It's hard. It's got its proper story. My goodness me, man. That, no, that's beautiful. I thought it was. Well, you'll find out what I thought it, when we get to the the uh, pictures and stuff, man. That that mm. that's beautiful. So we are looking at like Thank a 1920s you. setting. Yeah. Have we got or anyone? Maybe third. Or maybe all thirties. It's going to span a few because we're going to yeah. start with her as a kid. We're going to sort of go through until she is what kind of age when she gets to New York? Are we thinking where are we pitching for young the tw- young twenties? Ah, sugar. Well, that's knocked a lot of actresses oh, I've, I've out. Got, of I've, yes, <laughs> I'm sure I you've got this dream casting, man. Okay, I've got my dream cast. Well, casting for for um, Marion. Have you got you. who have you got in? The, who is in for Marion? For me, um, I'd want someone who is. Fierce, funny, um, and you can believe that they're in that kind of thing. I'm going to go with Emma Stone. Nice. Okay. Uh, wow. Okay. Because I think the, the the tone of it is kind of, I was going for like Rocketeer kind of, kind of is kind of comic book fantasy. Well, I did put, Rocketeer. and this is not an insult to your idea, but a compliment to mm. the films that this director has made uh, mm. in the past, maybe not recently. But okay. I was getting a bit of Zemeckis, man. And I oh, mean that nice. as a compliment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And his ability yes. to capture certain time periods as well as work with effects, which you would need both of those of for a movie yes. like this. But that is true. I don't want him bringing any of that, like, Polar Express energy or the walk energy or anything yeah. like that kind of a thing, man. I would like sure. him to step away from the artificially created world he's playing in so much at yeah. the minute and make something a bit more grounded. Director... Yeah, Zemeckis would be a really good, good idea. Um, Could we? Well, we're I'm always going to go Joe Johnston because he did the Rocketeer, and and it's amazing for me. Brad Bird, he would do well with all of Brad the action Bird. scenes because he is extremely yes. good at propulsive action that means a lot, man. Yes. And I think he would be able to smash air fights, uh, uh, dog fights, as well as all of the stunt training they're doing. Yeah, and he would. Yeah. Yeah, He'd he, have that he sense would of give wonder. gravity, wonder, and meaning to all of the things that were happening, man. Uh, dude, for the older sister, who I love, by the way, and I know she's going to be the coolest sister in the world and it's going to be horrible when she <laughs> passes on, by the way. Yes. Uh, could we pick maybe Chastain for that? 
Marion Maid is 15 when her older sister dies. So I'm imagining the older sister to be... She, yeah, how not, old is the older sister? Because I was thinking like... Not that old. Like, like John Cusack in Stand By Me, age difference. Like where he's like, hey, they're a kid and he's like a grown-up, but not a grown-up kind yeah, of thing. How old is he supposed to be? He's supposed to be like 17 or 18. Is he meant to be 17? He looks so old. I know. Well, he, he doesn't look so old. He just looks so... He's a senior. I'm sure he's a senior. He's a senior in it, man. Okay, or, he's, well, or he's at college or something. Oh, yeah, because he's going to college. That's why he gives uh, yeah. him the hat. Anyway, I he digress, man. Okay, up. so we're looking at around 20. We're looking at cool older 20s, man. That is, they, that's hard. Because I was I was instantly chastising because of her amazing hair. It would look great in a plane. She would look, plane. She <laughs> and would she look great. so good, like, as yeah. in that style. She's got the look for it as well, as well as being amazing. Like an Amelia Earhart should look yeah, good in that's that kind of thing. Yeah, that's know? probably, yeah, it's it maybe too close, man. But we need to, we need to pitch a bit younger, maybe. Yeah, I'm not very good with my young actors. I don't know. That's why I thought for I'm not particularly tight to Emma Stone for the role, but I, I think that she has the pluck and verve to do all that. Winstead. No. <gasps> yes. Or for the older sister, one of the two, because Winstead is just incredibly cool. Yes, she is super cool. And so good at imparting coolness on screen and in a in a wonderfully accessible way to people. Winstead, older sister. Um, okay, done. Okay. Slime, slimy businessman. Yeah, who I have, have you someone got? for that. Nicholas Holt. Oh, he's so slimy. Yes. Like, I'm so sorry. I love like, him. Like, not in a bad and he's way. He's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's yeah. so he's such a funny actor. He's yeah. a really serious actor, but he can do slimy and creepy. And I see. And, he's very and I see. Oh, like, on, on a so dime, good. he can switch to being just mm. cruel. I it, amazing. I, I was I was looking at uh, is it Jack Rayner from mm. Sing Street? Um, he's yeah, yeah. he's good as a fifth as a sorry fifty a twenties looking kind of slime boy. He's got the kind of hair and chin yeah. for it, if you know what I mean, man. By the way, what is his comeuppance? How does do we get to see the repercussions of her freedom uh, mm. writ large upon this bastard? Yeah, you'll get that ideas, montage man. of like the G men storming into the hangars and taking up papers. Yeah, and- so after the newspaper expose when they've all disappeared okay good yeah so you know like in the end of or towards the end of wolf on wall street where they they bust in and they drag people out kicking and screaming and stuff like that you'd, you'd get that and then there'd be lots of little side characters here and there some that kind of get away the good guys get away obviously it's a very clean cut good guys bad guys kind of yeah 100 you know? but like you're dealing it's, with a company that are making war machines man so it should be yes. god damn it yeah. um but it's got to be I'd, I would go with a tone similar to Rocketeer or Captain America, the first adventure, whereby okay. the designs of these machines are slightly fantastical, just slightly, so that it what that I what I believe that might do with the tone of the film is justify the fact that the heroes are quite naive. How could they not think that an aviation yeah, company yeah, yeah. is making weapons of war, you know? Yeah. For the dad, have you got any uh, any castings? I was thinking maybe John Goodman. Yeah, he's got a he's quite old farm. He's well, maybe his granddad. Well, yeah, you can have to. Yeah, you maybe have to go through a couple, or you can age them up. I guess a couple of different actors because yeah. there's the young dad who teaches her to be a mechanic, <coughs> Carl Chandler. Oh, <laughs> stop pressing my Chandler button, man. Honestly, get this me. <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm play like, your Chandler button like a pinball machine. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I'm a race car and I'm in the red, <laughs> man. 
<laughs> horny race car. Um, yeah, the dad. Carl, I just want him dad. to cuddle me like I want Gregory Peck to cuddle me, all right? I don't want to necessarily have sex with him. I'm not ruling that out. I'm not saying that's not on the car. No, no, man. no. I just, just want nice like, to there's a, the tenderness and like security mm. of a man's arms. Mm. Yeah, Sorry, carry on with your casting. Sorry. Um, what about John Hammers, the dad? He's quite tender. Yeah, I, he is I, very I sweet. He's very of the period looking. Matt, and he does a very good dishevelled drunk as well, as what we know. Yes, he does, man. And yeah, okay, think, I'm thinking of his chops uh, with a little mm. dusting of stubble upon them, uh, mm-hmm. all salt and pepper and whatnot. And yes, he does look like a dad farmer. Yes, absolutely. Going back to Marion Maid, I can tell you're not 100% sold on Emma Stone. I'm not, I think she's just a little bit... She's not too old. I don't mean to say that, but I think that... I think she's more the older sister. I think that's where she's going to fall, man. Um, because she's so she's such a light that you need the older sisters to be something that big and beautiful and lovely, like a Chastain, like a stone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the thing that should focus the great hope of the family. Yeah, they? beautiful young maids' attention for like and her families for the entire movie, man. So I think they are appropriate for someone. But that big. Le- we need that. I hate the phrase, but we need that leading lady quality. Hayley Steinfeld? Yes. Yes. Maybe if, more if Winston, wholesome. If Winston, if Winston is the older sister... Then let's get... Hayley Steinfeld. Steinfeld in, the, I think. I think that might be it, man. But Zemeckis directing it. It's got... Or Brad Bird. Brad Bird, I prefer. I like Brad Bird because he'll be fun. He's yes. great with family. Di- you is. know, uh, dynamics, absolutely. He's a, And he's just so good with action scenes, man. Every time they go mm. into a plane... There would be an extraordinarily exciting happening after that fact, man. I want fun, fun, Incredibles, Rocketeery, Captain America: The First Avenger style adventure, and also just because it's me and I want it in films, just highlighting the beauty of aviation. Yeah, well, dude, the, rom- the romanticism of it, like you know? um, in. Um dunkirk man like the part in dunkirk with tom hardy in the plane like speaking of things that made me cry in cinema that was one thing that mm. i was just like oh i'm crying that's strange that i'm crying <laughs> over a montage of a spitfire yeah i was like oh I, my my heart is feeling a thing <laughs> what is this newfound and i pain? can't turn on my i can't turn on my phone to google doctor this like, I, I can't diagnose in the middle of the I, movie i'm gonna hope going that the thing me. coming out of my eyes is poison and if i let enough of it out i will be cured <laughs> did i sit on any snakes on yeah. the bus in? yeah <laughs> Was it an Austrian boom slang? Have I encountered one of those recently? <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, dude. Like, to, so to capture some of that, the freedom and and it is it's it's it's, a, it's I think it was the freedom of those scenes that made me want mm. to cry or something. It was just all the mm. majesty or something, man. So mm. you want somebody who can bring some of that to it, as well as the fun and a few gags and sandwiches falling off of uh, construction girders and more. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm Brad Bird or Johnson. That sounds fantastic, and we got a green light, man. Wicked, Brad Bird's the one for me. All right, we'll take him. Done. Wicked. Well, well done. That was my well done. Me. That was my. <laughs> I like, I like that your pitch ends with a congratulations to yourself. That's how you should pitch in real life, man. Because if you don't believe in yourself, who will? That's amazing. Exactly. And I did cobble that together. Pretty that was good. cracking, man. That was brilliant. That was really good. I really enjoyed hearing that, man. Um, all right. So I think now we've done our main pitches. Should we just oh. move on to our... We've still got a lot of pitches to do, right? Yeah, I totally forgot about that, man. Mine's all well right, quick, well, I'll, so I'll do Alpha Reader. Mine's going to be really short, yeah, so I don't really have one. Yeah. Okay, so my short pitch for Alpha Reader. When I first heard the name Alpha Reader, I saw you said with, when you said it, you were like, "I've got this already, man." I think I've you got had this a, already. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's I see like alpha reader, but with the you know the Spanish question marks, the first one's inverted and the the last yeah, one's yeah, yeah. normal. Like, yeah, alpha reader, be like Oliver, but in Spain, Revolu- <laughs> like a revolutionary. Alpha reader's a revolutionary. It's the Che Guevara story, but that set and that mixing with like Kings of the Summer. Oh. So it's kid. So it's like kids. And there's bullies, like young kids, and there's one like maybe a new kid comes to the school or something like that. And over the summer, they build the forts in the woods and they're all playing, but there's just like this oppressive regime where they are done nicking conkers or whatever. <laughs> or whatever. Or there's just not letting the other kids play or share with the the bounteous woods um, that are in the woods, you know, the, the whatever, the damming the river. Yeah, yeah. Or these kids are building a dam and the other kids keep coming, smashing it down. And the new kid comes along and he organises everyone and they have their revolution. It doesn't necessarily have to end in violence, but it ends in something. Victory. It ends in victory, and it's a summer that changes everyone for the better. It's a family movie, but it's, yeah, Alpha Reader is the, the revolutionary that brings them all together. That's beautiful, man. Blooming egg. Right, okay. <laughs> Amazing. That was, by the way, that was way too Really low-key. Really, really low-key, but massive Yeah, stakes. but really sweet, like, and getting yes, that. super sweet. Okay, well, that is going to... Uh, shed some awful light onto my pitch for yours, which is, <laughs> I mean, when I say short, Graham, I mean, it's really, really short. Uh, Made to Shine is the sequel to Made in Manhattan, uh, in which Jennifer Lopez... <laughs> I almost went there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jennifer Lopez, like, joins a NASCAR crew and... <laughs> and, well, and wait, 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 wait. Back, back up. Let row back to the boathouse. Um, what happens? The, what happens at the end of Made in Manhattan? Well, if I'd is seen Made in Manhattan, <laughs> no, no, but I'm assuming there is because every bloody rom com should have a NASCAR race at the end, man. If it's and, worth and every song. NASCAR racer has their own maid, I assume. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and they're all based in Manhattan. Well, she's she's. I assume, I have, again, I haven't seen Made in Manhattan, but I think that she is a maid who gets rescued by a lovely man who's probably Richard Gere Ralph or something Fiennes. like that. Is it Ray Fiennes? Fiennes? Are you kidding yeah, me? Yeah, Ray Fiennes, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my see, goodness. I've never seen Made in Manhattan too, so I think the same thing happens. But I think what happens is, and my guess for Made in Manhattan, if we're doing guess and guessing the floor, <laughs> well, we she, is definitely the, she is definitely the maid in the hotel that he's staying yes. at or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and there's like... But also he... I reckon there might be a Cinderella thing. Like, yeah, she definitely. accidentally gets dressed up in a thing. Like, who's that girl at the... She's, does something at a ball or something, MC ball, or he needs a date for the MC ball. Shakespearean, like crossing, not Shakespearean in terms of depth and quality, but like, <laughs> mistaken identities. Yeah, yeah. Or like wires. Police Academy in Mistaken Identities. Let's take yes, it there. Yeah. yeah. Shakespeare or Police Academy. It's, in, it's, in between. <laughs> it's somewhere in there. And that's probably where you want all your bracket, films to yeah. sit, isn't it? That's what Made in Manhattan that's is. So made in Manhattan. <laughs> made to shine is Made in Manhattan too. She's a NASCAR driver. <laughs> Oh, no, she works for a NASCAR crew, and like as, okay, as the maid, as general, just as like general maintenance, making things shiny. <laughs> <laughs> just like, I don't know, polishes cars. The uh, um, cars, they uh, they go fast. Yeah, they fast. The drive, he's pretty good at, but. You need, them, you need them shiny for the air resistance to air flow, flow off right. of it, man. I've read so much, so much on this. That's why my first pitch was so patchy. I was too busy reading mm-hmm. up on the uh, aer- aeronomics <laughs> of cars. <laughs> Oh, yeah, um, yes. So we 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 meet her dumped by Ray Fines, who I've just learned is in uh, Made in Manhattan, and she has to rebuild herself. Uh, the NASCAR uh, and her <laughs> life, <laughs> whilst uh, also falling in love with the top driver uh, uh, who takes her on to better things. But better things than Ralph Ray Fiennes could have done in Made in Manhattan. Well, Ray Fiennes ditched her, man, so she had to go to NASCAR. Right, that's yeah, where you sure. go, man. Like, that's where all hearts go to heal, 
I think, is yeah, the official NASCAR crest. They go to the Indianapolis Raceway and that's where yeah, they find And they the come out cells. pole again, man. Yeah, so I... Amazing. Yes, that, that was... It's difficult, to, it's difficult to come up with a movie that's based on a pun, isn't it? I'm glad for the challenge. Well, you, 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 you nailed it, man. I, uh, I, I literally saw Made and went, oh, there's mm. another film that has a pun with Made in. I will sequelize that. <laughs> that, that that's, that's some of the inside baseball, behind the scenes, how Luke's <laughs> mind the works there for you guys. <laughs> a special, a special drop of, uh, of content there. Oh, dear me. Well, that was fantastic. Do you reckon we should choose some horses for next week? I was week? going to say, I think that is the natural uh, next step, man. That sounds beautiful. Wowzers, that was that was fantastic. Thank you so much for your amazing pitch on Alpha Reader. Thank you. And your short pitch for uh, Made to Shine, which was actually better than my pitch by quite a long way. Um and so, I guess it's time to pick horses for next time, right? All right, giddy up. We are going to go to Newcastle this time. And we're going to go to the, I think it's just, you can tell that we really are into our nags, aren't we? We're going to go to the 7am Newcastle something. Doesn't even say it's 7am Newcastle. Fair enough. All right, there It's a are. horse race, isn't it? It's just a horse race, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't even say any runners. <laughs> right, anyway, let's get on with it. 7 a.m. at Newcastle, 23rd of Feb. You've got about 10 runners, I think. Yeah, okay, there's 10 runners. Um, you can throw me one and I'll throw you one. What are you thinking? What are you liking? I, I'm liking a few of these. They're pretty groovy, actually. Yeah, they're quite good, actually. Yeah, yeah not too bad at all. I've got, I've got one that I really want. Mm. And I also really want to give it to you as well because there's only, there's only one thing you could do with it. <laughs> You know, well, there's many things you can do, but there's only one thing that's right. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm going to, sorry, may I go, Is am I going first? Please, yeah, okay. please do. May, please I, do. may I give you, uh, Graham, uh, Dark Side Thunder? Nice. You certainly can. That wasn't the one I was going to hope that I got, so I get the chance sorry. to give you the one that I hope that you oh, sugar. get. Okay. And there's only... Well, you don't have to hope that I'll get it. I will get it if you give it to me. Uh, you will get it, yes. And you will <laughs> also have one option that I will accept. <laughs> There's only one thing to do. <laughs> oh, okay. sugar. Right, your horse is called One Heart. Heart spelt H-A-R-T. Dark Side Thunder and One Heart. Okay, I th- yeah, okay. Right, we're locked in. No worries, <laughs> let's do this, man. <laughs> okay, amazing. Well, that has been... Fantastic. That's been great fun. I really enjoyed chatting to you as I always do. And I really Lovely enjoyed. to speak, man. Take care of yourself for the uh, next week until we do this again. I will do. I will do. Let our brains ferment and come up with something for the next round. We will do. That's going to be amazing. Next week or the next time we release Dark Side Thunder and One Heart. H-A-R-T. H-A-R-T. So thank you so much to you, Luke. And thank you very much to everyone listening. I am going to go cook some dinner. Mm, I think I'll join you on that one. Not literally, sadly. Sadly, we are remote, which is a shame. But enjoy your weeks, your days, your hours, your minutes with your friends, your families, your loved ones, and strangers in the street. Well, there we have it. Another episode of Racehorse Movies is over. We both hope you had as much fun listening as we did coming up with these films and recording our pitches. If you enjoyed this, please share it around with your friends and loved ones. If it wasn't your thing, I don't know, maybe share it with someone you miffed with. Who knows? If it's not for them either, maybe you two can build some bridges over that connection. But if you did like picking up what we put down and you fancy checking out some more content from us, 
and head over to theneverpress.com to take a gander at our novels, poetry and other bits and bobs. Anyway, that's about enough from us. Hope to have you back next time for some friendly chats and barely thought through pitches at Racehorse Movies. Ta-ta! Ta-ta!